What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to the Changing Man podcast. Um, again, I just wanted to say that we are on Apple Podcasts now and Spotify, as well as all the other podcasting platforms like Downcast, Stitcher, Breaker, all those big ones. Um, I want to remind you guys now we're putting episodes out every Wednesday. So every Wednesday, we'll have a new episode moving to a uh, weekly schedule now that we've kind of figured it out and kind of figured out what I want to do with it. So please be sure to subscribe and follow on those platforms and look for new episodes every Wednesday. And thanks for listening. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It is episode 13, August 22nd, 2018. You are listening to The Changing Man. My name is Embry Davis. Welcome to the show and good morning, everybody. Uh, broadcasting this show live on YouTube right now. Um, this will probably go out as, you know, cl- uh, Bose. <laughs> This will probably go out as uh, the stream, at least, will go out as bonus content to any Patreon subscribers. None so far. Definitely okay. Um, do have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash thechangingman. Just started that. Um, go to sure to check out the page, see what you could do to support. Any support just for listening is even great. Um, if you haven't already, please follow and subscribe on your podcasting platforms. We are now on you know, the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Downcast, Stitcher, Breaker, all of the above. So it is a uh, definitely very accessible. Share it around with your friends. Thank you to everybody who's listened so far. I've received some uh, pretty cool feedback already, which is always it's always nice to have. Always good to have your you know friends be honest with you and, the, you know, give you some constructive criticism. Um, and, you know, uh, just continue driving on with the show. I have been uh, super busy already this week uh like i said i started to do some video editing stuff so i am kind of fully enroped in that and uh been helping out a friend of mine she is trying to get her online you know training presence up she is a competing bikini uh model i guess is what the word would be model uh she does physique competitions for women's bikini um, and so she is doing YouTube, a YouTube series, and uh, I'll put the link in the description of this stream and the episode if you want to go check that out. Abigail Mercaldo, um, check out my uh, editing skills. <laughs> I have yet to uh, perfect a lot of it, but it's definitely fun having a lot of fun learning it. And uh, other than that, really just kind of, you know, enjoying my week. I got to turn up the light here. Hold on one second. All right. How far in are we right now? I got to mark that down. See, this is what you get with the uh, with the uh, live show. You know exactly. You know exactly when I mess up and when I have to go back and do it all. I might even just leave this in. All right. So it looks a lot better. Looks a little bit spooky still, actually. But you know, we'll we'll let it rock. Move this way a little bit. Been busy with plenty of that, and. Uh, it's definitely more difficult than people will say, you know, learning a new skill, whether it's uh, video editing or trying to learn how to woodwork or cook. I know a lot of people try to learn how to cook, say they can't cook. Um, you know, it's one of those things that just it's frustration. And but you're so you're you're wrapped up in it. You're definitely going down the 
the way of l- wanting to learn more. You're not just frustrated enough by it. You kind of pick yourself back up. It's like little battles. It's almost like people with the gym too. You know, every getting there every day can be a battle for some. Um, and I just know that through training clients and stuff like that, you know, stuff, it, 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 learning a new hobby, even, even if it's just a hobby, if there's a technical aspect to it, it's, it definitely just requires some patience and, uh, it's definitely tested me a little bit. I've had software crash, uh, mid editing, um, and uh, you know, all the, all these things I'm doing on the program are like relatively simple. It's just cutting and fading and maybe some zooming and panning and stuff like that. But since I'm just not super well versed in it, it's just uh, it looks it, it takes me much, 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 much longer. And it's <laughs> and it's so mu- it's just it's awful. It's awful. But it's uh, it's still fun at the same time. It's funny how that works out. Aside from getting frustrated with uh, doing some editing, I have been uh, watching a new series on Netflix, which will kind of be the basis of today's discussion. and subsequently i watched a few people talk about it and uh so i wanted to kind of bring up the aspect of the death penalty because i started watching this show called i am a killer and it just came out this year and i'm I'm about three episodes in maybe four i started watching the fourth episode um and the first three are great i mean it's (laughs) the way it's shot is really well done it's really compelling if you're into that type of stuff i've you know, everybody seems to be into these morbid documentaries. I am myself, you know, learning about the Holocaust and all of those. You just binge out on these crazy documentaries, North Korea, etc. But I started watching this one called I Am a Killer, and it's about death row inmates. And the first episode um, follows James Robertson, who is this guy who has just been in jail since he was 16 years old, I think it, when it, it, it tallied up, it was 37 years he had spent in jail. He's got a, a super long rap sheet. Um, and he hadn't killed anybody until he got into jail. He had uh, been arrested as a minor many, many times and put in jail many times. And then um, he, there was one case of burglary. I think it was armed burglary that put him in jail uh, before he turned 17. And from there on, he just can continued being a bad kid inside this system, which kept him in there longer. So he he st- he gets in, he stays in there longer. He's messing with guards. He's fighting cellmates. Um, he's causing trouble. He ends up staying in jail from sixteen for thirty seven years. He spends about, uh, you know, sixteen in this close confinement, close management. Uh, holding area, which is apparently just brutal. One one hour of outside time outside of the cell every day, um, just terrible uh, conditions. Very very bare bones. And so, as being a kind of a product of the system here, he is in close management. And just going into the details of this, it goes into the details of what close management is, and uh, you know, not having any outside contact with anyone else for uh, more than an hour at a time every day uh you know no visits from people and James Robertson was one of these people that did not have anybody on the outside waiting for him to come out so he, he didn't he didn't get any visits he didn't you know he didn't get any treatment he was just an angry angry man 
which led him to his ultimate demise, really. Let me get a sip of this tea. So he sits on death row now, and he's due to be executed, I think, within the next three years or so. And it goes on to talk about death row conditions in comparison to these close management conditions. Now, in, in close management, you you know, you have absolute restriction of any privileges. There's nothing to do, nothing going on. It's jail. It's, you know, it's 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 hardcore jail. Um, and it's where the people that can't conform in the general population cells go. Um, and it's supposed to be that they're only there for a little bit before they go back. And he spent a good 15 years of his time in close management. So I can uh, see where that would be. I mean, just terrible. The conditions on death row, however, and this is where it kind of gets crazy. The conditions on death row are allegedly in in most prison systems much better than uh, like close management or the general population. You know, they're they're on death row. They're going to die soon. Apparently, the food is a little bit better. Uh, They have more privileges. They get TVs. uh, They get some personal goods. They can see their family more. Um, et cetera, and so forth. So James Robertson, you know, already being pretty bad enough, you know, he's kind of a rebellious person. He's always been a rebellious person going in and out of uh, jail from a minor. And um, after inevitably staying in jail this long, you know, he can't take it anymore. You know, guards treating him like shit, uh, being in this close management thing. And he kills his cellmate so he can go to finally go to uh, in front of the judge and ask for death row. So he can just, you know, instead of serving life in jail, just get killed. Um, and he had apparently been petitioning for death row uh, throughout most of his time in prison. And he was never given it. And this is finally, I guess, what pushed him to the edge. He uh, had a cellmate that he ended up strangling to death. Um, and he, uh, went in front of the judge and was finally able to get death row and then immediately moved out of close management. You know, I think about I think it was six months later, uh, that they said that they re caught up with him and holy crap, the changes that this, he looked crazy. He looked so much, he looked way healthier. He looked way just more at peace with everything with himself. Granted, this is a murder and I'll get back to it, but I want to play. I want to do this first. He he looked healthier. He looked more calm about where he was. I guess they had been treating him better. You know, he had accepted that this was his fate from his actions and everything. And I mean, the, you know, the, the change on him, I mean, he looked, he looked crazy. Because they, when they're interviewing him the first time, he's in the close management, you know, holding cells or whatever, where he's just miserable and barely getting any, you know, they're sleeping during the day and awake all night. And, uh, you know, he, he looks insane, like giant bags under his eyes, bald head, you know, just pale as can be. I mean, that's expected. Um, and then he goes to death row and he's surprisingly enough lost weight, um, he's not he's not talking crazy or anything i mean but granted this guy uh, we'll go back (laughs) but he's not talking crazy or anything he's um 
I mean, he, I think it seems that he found religion, which is apparently very common before, you know, you're, you're on death row, you know, could be your day is coming up. Uh, I guess you got to make your pieces how you see fit. I just found it kind of incredible how someone being on death row could have such an optimistic outlook, um, despite all of the horrible things that kind of happened prior to, you know, it's, um, and it kind of got me thinking about, you know, is it, is the death penalty a morally right thing or a morally wrong thing? Um, and it got me thinking of murder as a whole, really, because, you know, this man was suffering and he knew his only way out was to take someone else's life. And we would still see that as morally wrong because it was at gain for himself. Um, but it'd be different. But, you know, we also have to ask the question is, what was that guy in there for? And um, I don't remember the cellmate's name, but I know that uh, he was a child molester. And in the interview, James Robertson says uh, he doesn't feel bad about it at all, which is a sign of a little something going on there. You know what I mean? I, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know exactly what it, what is there, <clears throat> but he said, uh, I don't feel bad about it. You know, he was a child molester and everything. So he gets to go to death row and still get killed because he's a murderer. Uh, and the child molester also got killed and there's one less empty cell in close management. So are we, so at, in the end, did the, did the end justify the means really, or should, or should it always be wrong to kill anybody or, uh, or, or have the death penalty? And I'm not saying that we, you know, prisoners should just strive to kill each other in jail so they can go on death row. But I mean, you know, that would seem to be, uh, I don't, it, it just seems like if, if, if someone is in jail for life, 65 years, and they would like to be able to have the option to go on death row, it's kind of like when, um, there's a terminally ill person and, uh, we're, they argue assisted suicide you know, because the person's a vegetable or just miserable, can't live, um, et cetera. And uh, I say all that to kind of say this is because on the flip side, there are so many people that just adamantly oppose the death penalty and everything it stands for. Yet to some people on the inside, it seems like it's their only way out. Only way out of this terrible scenario that they've now found themselves in, which is being in jail for 65 years. And, 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 and I'm conflicted because part of me knows that the punishment of their crime is to be locked away that long and that they shouldn't just be given this gratification of, uh, of, of death, you know, because if someone is sentenced to 60 years and, uh, you know, that that's a long time to be miserable in a cage and, um, that's the government deems that that's fit to the crime, you know, that's the punishment. And part of me is conflicted on the matter because it seems like, okay, I don't want to pay taxes on this person regardless. Cause they're a criminal and they're in, and, and they're in jail. So yeah, if they want to go ahead and do that, then give them the option to, you know, uh, basically have assisted suicide through the death penalty. Um, and then the other side is, you know, no, like they, they got in trouble. They were deemed 60 years. Like they need to be in jail for 60 years if they're young enough to serve it, or they need to die in jail. 
And, uh, and that, you know, it sounds cruel, but I mean, people want to say that the death penalty is inhumane, but honestly, if something is suffering and they want to be put out of it, you know, I would say keeping them in the cell for 60 years is more inhumane than, uh, and that's the option I would prefer because it's, it's still harmless. You're not harming him further physically or anything like that. I mean, mentally, yes, it's, it's intense, but you're meant to die in that jail. And that's part of what the punishment is. And but but it just as I as I just said, though, I'd rather just not pay for you at all if you really want that option. And some people do go to jail for three hots and a cot, you know, but to give some perspective to the death penalty, because uh, it, it does get talked about quite a bit. And with the release of this documentary, I've definitely seen some people kind of picking up on some uh, issues about it and the death penalty since. The death penalty, the number of executions since 1976 to today across the entire United States is uh, 1,481. So that is a really, really small number, um, in my opinion. That was when I when I when I did this research and looked that up. I said that's crazy. You know, I, I thought there honestly, I thought there was more. I thought there was more because um, this is from 1976. So this is, you know, uh, over 40 years of, uh, you know, of data that's been collected on these and uh, only only 1,481. Now, this doesn't this does not count uh, unjustified um, shootings of, of people by police or, or assist or, or suicide by cop um, where, you know, someone commits a crime and, and basically eggs on the police to shoot them uh that this does not include that and um this is from the death penalty information center uh and it was recently it was updated on august 14th 2018 so the numbers are up to date and so far just this year alone there's been 16 uh people on death row that have been executed um which just seems like a very low number i mean we're in mid-august right now late august really and uh it just doesn't seem to be as prominent of an issue. And of course, everyone wants to talk about how, um, you know, the, the lower, the better, because, you know, there are people that are sentenced to death for crimes they didn't commit. And while I don't, I can't say a hundred percent for these 1,481 cases, I would be very, I'd be willing to bet that since the invention and discovery of doing DNA testing on a crime scene forensically, um, that the, 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 the ratio of that is very, very, very slim. Uh, I, I, I would say it'd be very difficult to be found guilty of a murder you did not commit, uh, with DNA testing and everything else. And like I said, there are, there are, you know, one in a million, uh, nothing is perfect. Um, and that's why there's many organizations that are working to fight for people, um, which is what the second episode of this show really describes, which is the story of Kenneth Foster who um, is a black man that was sentenced to death penalty to the death penalty. Um, even though there was no proof that he knew what was going on uh, in the scene, he was the driver of a car and his friend, they, they, they rolled up to a house. There was a female talking to him, uh, to his friend. His friend gets out of the car, walks up to them an altercation happened and someone was shot. Um, and 
he was viewed as an accomplice to the murder and sentenced to death. Um, a lot of these special legislation groups kind of picked, picked up his case and a few lawyers that were saying that this was an unjust sentence. Um, there was a large protest for Kenneth Foster to be released from jail, um, last year. And then, uh, he, um, the governor, Rick Perry actually pardoned him the day of his, uh, the day of his, his death day. So he was apparently pulled out of his cell and uh, didn't know where he was going. And he was pardoned right before he was basically sentenced to death. And he is still in jail today um, with groups fighting to say for a just really, uh, you know, uh, basically a what's it called? What's the word? <laughs> a retrial. Exactly. A retrial so they can introduce some new evidence and uh, and get him released. And we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. The story is like the stories in these episodes are phenomenal. Um, Very well told, uh, very well directed. Uh, The Kenneth Foster, uh, oh man, the Kenneth Foster story is really, really, really compelling. It is, um, it really made me think. It makes you question yourself and how you, uh, you know, determine people or, you know, their actions. Um, You know, there's a, there's a side because, Earlier in this same night of this murder, uh, he was involved with the robbing of about four different people that night, three different people that night. And the neighborhood is so far out of the way from where they said they were going. They said they were headed to a nightclub, um, but the the murder happened in a neighborhood that is kind of back in the middle, you know, out, out of the way. And, you know, so there's a lot of people that doubt the, the story saying that he knew it was getting ready to happen and everything else but there was no that there was there was evidence in the fact that his friend committed a a murder of those people but there was no evidence to uh truly put him at at the scene or saying he knew so he um so i mean and and there's a big problem with that you know in the in the court system you know there is not enough evidence really to for me anyway to substantiate the death penalty. I think that's pretty obnoxious, but it, you know, it leads me to my next point. Ken- Kenneth Foster, a black man. Um, you know, it's uh the death penalty is enforced pretty, pretty unequally when you look at the stats and granted there are, uh, and, and there are, and there are more, you know, uh, black men in our prison systems now. Um, but it is, it is definitely a crazy statistic to see here. Um, the stats for the persons executed in interracial murders, uh, if it was a white defendant and a black victim, so a black victim of a murder by a white murderer, um, there is only 20 people uh, put on death row for that. Um, but a white victim in a murder from a black defendant was 288 so 288 black men were put to death row for the uh for killing a white person and a 20 people were put to death 20 white people were put to death for uh killing black victims which is a very large very large it's shocking to me like it's very shocking to me to find this stuff out and 
Um, a lot of people talk about former about the former rap sheet of the typical murderer. And when you look at James Robertson, someone who was fighting for death row because his, you know, he wanted it at that point after being in jail for so long, you know, he's got a mile long rap sheet of, uh, burglary, armed burglary, um, brandishing of a weapon, threatening with a lethal weapon. Uh, it goes to jail as a minor granted, you know, a minor, someone who could be considered rehabilitated, I guess. Um, or it has the chance to be rehabilitated, but he goes to jail, continues to act out in jail, gets in fights, parts, he's part of the prison riots, inevitably goes to close management and kills his own cellmate just to get on death row. It took that long to get him on death row versus 288 other people that were just sentenced to death row. And that just seems a little skewed to me. But then you look at the you look at the stats now in the death row inmates by race is 41 percent black, 42 percent white, 13 percent Hispanic and three percent other. Which. It, it leads me to believe of what what is the order at which this goes? How do you how do you can people delay it? Are people do people have their trials open and that's why they can't go to it um, or like retrials? I don't understand. Um, Good old Virginia coming in second place with executions since 1976. We have 113 uh, executions since 1976. Texas leading the way with 533. Uh, That was expected. Um, But then you see that California has the most death row inmates, 746 as of last year. So uh, and they're a state that doesn't uh, necessarily defend. And it's not a right to give it, you know, do the death penalty, but it's, you see where the, you see where it comes into play. I think that they are pretty low on the list when it comes to uh, executions. I want to see, uh, see where they stand. California has 13, has had 13 executions since 1976. Uh, but with the highest amount of inmates staying in their jail. So the most tax money being spent on inmates um, and one of the lowest execution rates. So it almost seems where if you want to live better and also be in jail, you get on as a criminal, you get on death row in California and you get to live on the taxpayer dime for the rest of your life because it's not going to... Or at least for the next, you know, formidable years of your life, because they're not going to death row is shown to take an average of three to seven years with some people waiting up to about 15. Which is uh, which is which is an insanely long amount of time to keep someone in a cell. The cells are already overcrowded. Jails are already overcrowded by and large. And so the fact that we keep more prisoners there longer especially when they are on death row is insane. I know the lethal injection is expensive. Um, I know legally it's just a battle and we talk about morally, you know, are we, are we in a position as a society to take someone else's life just because they want to take someone's life? And I will firmly say 
that I think the death penalty is a necessary evil of society. I think when you have the numbers as low as what they are right now, 16 executions only happening this year, I think we are getting more careful with this decision process. The people that are being put to death need to be put to death. And honestly, I don't think we, I don't think we exercise it enough for something, some heinous things that go on. Um, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's the story of, um, that girl being kept in the basement for, you know, 20 years of her life and being a product of incest by this one person, uh, by this one man and the neighbors had no idea. I mean, that stuff like that is, is something that is so wrong that it, it almost doesn't make it wrong to end that person's life. And we talk about the, the, the morally right or wrong. Is it right to murder somebody? Most people would say no. It is not right to harm anyone. And, you know, we can all agree. Um, Would it be wrong to hurt somebody that is a child molester or a terrorist or, you know, something of that sort? And I think most people would say no or a communist. There's a popular left side analogy to make now that if you're a communist, you deserve to get punched or a Nazi or whatever they're saying. Uh, so, I mean, we can all, we all think that that is morally right. What makes it the, what I, what I, what I've seemed to find on the other side a little bit is that people that don't believe in the death penalty or think it's a thing should believe that, that everybody can be rehabilitated yet. They complain about the overcrowding of the, of the jail systems, which is, it's a contributing factor to why things are so bad. You know, the, the jails one, they're overcrowded. Our taxes pay for those jails and it's, you know, it's, it's terrible. Everything, you know, prisoners don't have resources. Uh, you know, as much as we'd like to think they do, they have access to lawyers and everything else legally for their case, but they, they're not living it up there. And it's it, overcrowding them paying for their meals every day is a burden on society. And I think if you're committing heinous crimes or, outside of jail then you know we should exercise that um if you're a murderer uh i don't necessarily believe in eye for an eye in all scenarios you know if someone is a legitimately mentally deranged um you know that comes into play what do you do there would it be would it be morally wrong to hurt him because he might legitimately not know what he is doing or he or she is doing um you know people that go crazy on drugs uh, that commit murders. Um, there are people saying that they have the chance to be rehabilitated because of the substance behind it. Uh, and I think I could probably agree with the rehabilitation of, of drug users, uh, that become murderers. Um, because that's just, uh, it really is genuinely not a thing you're cognizant of, but even in jail, this James Robertson guy, you know, he justified it to himself with his cellmate being a, um, a child molester, but any other time, you know, that wouldn't be right to do because if he, if this child molester was living out in public and we had no proof of that and it only, and it came to fruition later on, you know, at first everyone would say that that wasn't right and, and nothing else, you know, until it came out that, you know, he was a, a criminal, then it would be justified. Um, so, I mean, in, in the case of James Robertson, really, like 
even though he he got he got himself a much better um livelihood he got himself switched to death row he lives a lot better he eats a lot better and um the way he got it was he took someone else's life without you know <laughs> the, the the difference with wanting to go on death row and being murdered in your cell is that you, there's consent there um and i'm not saying you should consent to being murdered you know it, when you get murdered it's obviously a heinous act but the, we shouldn't have rewarded him for that we shouldn't have put him on death row for it we should have kept him in close management so it's it, so I, I, that's that's why I said at the beginning of this, you know, I'm conflicted on my whole perception of this because a part of me believes that that time in prison is the punishment and that death would just be a escape. And then the other side of the argument for me is that jails are overcrowded anyway and we should just we should get people out that want to be out and by out I mean through the death penalty if their crimes were suited for it. I'm not saying you should go in for grand larceny of like ten thousand dollars and decide you just hate jail and ask for the death penalty no but then you you develop the characters like james robertson who killed their cellmate so where does it go when would it be right to truly give the death penalty to somebody and who decides that because i can't i can't sit here and try to discern what would warrant the death penalty versus others because the scenarios are endless and that's why it needs to be proven thoroughly in the court and if it isn't you know if it's not able to be proven thoroughly then it's not going to be you know it's not going to people are going to combat it you know especially with the case of kenneth foster where he felt like he was wrongly sentenced to death for this crime and uh while i don't know through watching the episode it kind of leads you to form your own opinion of it i'm not sure if he did or not if he knew Kenneth Foster, um, not sure if he knew what was going on. It's a compelling story. He's leading a lot of activism from inside the jail now uh, on the matter. But it really will. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially as an accomplice, you know, and that's why that's why I brought up the race thing is because the, the, the James Robertson guy is in jail now for. Uh, you know, was in jail for 37 years, did all this terrible shit. Granted, you know, got caught for it every time um, and then has to kill somebody to get on death row. This uh, Kenneth Foster, you know, robbing a few people, um, robbing a few people and his buddy ends up doing something and he's instantly on death row. And, and they don't necessarily talk too much about his rap sheet before that. But, you know, it's it seems it seems a little mixed up. This James Robertson guy is drastically older than Kenneth uh, Foster. And it's uh, it just seems like a weird disconnect to go from watching this guy on episode one fight to be on death row. And then this other guy try to get off a of death row because of the imprisonment. And he does, and he's still in jail today. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and I had actually gotten not on the death penalty. I'll switch gears a little bit here. I had gotten on the topic of this morally right or wrong stuff. Uh, a few friends of mine, we kind of discussed morally right or wrong scenarios. And I, and I, cause I had learned about it a little bit and discussed a little bit in my philosophy class in this first semester. And so it was kind of, it was like a fun, interesting talking point to have on these topics. And uh, so I, I asked a good friend of mine, I said, so what's your opinion on 
you know, on, on let's do a moral right or wrong. And we, so we did. And I asked her, uh, if you're stealing medication for someone who's sick in your family, is that morally right or wrong? And that's a popular one to go to. A lot of people use that one as a, like a, a popular one to, to kind of discuss the moral right or wrong. And um, most people, I think, would sit on the side of, you know, if they can't afford it, then it's, you know, it's kind of okay if they're helping somebody who really needs it. And I think it's semi black and white, but not obviously with every situation there is not. But if it is a medication that is desperately needed by somebody and they can't afford it, if uh, if someone steals it, aren't they in turn taking that medicine away from the next patient who does need that medicine? That was how I looked at it, where if you steal from this, yes, at face value, you are stealing from a pharmaceutical company. But, you know, what if that drug is, you know, kind of only shipped as needed or, you know, given as needed? And, you know, there's someone else that is going that same day to pick up that medication who is will is going to buy it and now can't buy it. And it's because it's not there. Um, that was the big dilemma that I had with the moral right or wrong on like stealing. Um, but some people would say that, you know, stealing from a company is not the same as stealing from a person and that the effects of stealing from a pharmacy like CVS or something is a, a small flash in the pan kind of in the grand scheme of things that, you know, you're not stealing, you're not stealing the personal goods of someone else. You're stealing a, uh, you're stealing, you know, just from this company that can replace it instantly with all the money in the world. Uh, you know, places like Walmart, if you're stealing from Walmart, you know, uh, like poor people, uh, not poor people, but people that are having trouble with money or down on their luck that steal things out of Walmart, they go and try to justify it and say that uh, Walmart has all the money in the world type thing uh, and try to justify it to themselves by that way. And um, and I and I used to probably agree with that. You know, I used to be pretty broke and, you know, I used to like steal some things before, you know, younger way back when, I guess. And, uh, it's, it's definitely not right. Like you're affecting, you know, whether it's stealing prescriptions, stealing medication, uh, or like, you know, stealing anything really. I mean, if it's not your belongings, it shouldn't, you don't, you don't take it. (laughs) And, um, I, I don't think you can justify, um, why you take things, uh, like that like if we were still like back to the stealing the medication thing you know if you were to take from someone else's medication and they were not able to be treated the way they were supposed to be um and they end up getting terminally sick and having to go to the hospital uh i mean you're only hurting that person far more you're you might be taking away from the company at first but you're now hurting this unsuspecting person and they're now a victim of your crime uh the person that might have witnessed your robbery or that you had to confront to rob the store. I mean, they're now traumatized. Um, and, and now you're on the run subsequently. Like you have to, if you don't want to be caught now, you have to, you have to be on the run. Um, so do I think it's, do I think at the end of the day, we should still say that despite all of those things, it was still the right thing to do because, the family member needed it that badly. I, I don't think we should do that. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, but I, I would see to the contrary, but I think that's, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, I've done some dumb, dumb shit. I went to jail for 
four days for petty theft uh, of some some groceries. Uh, and it was not a proud moment for me. I mean, and this is, you know, it's, it's not something you want to do. And, and while I don't understand the concept of being on death row, close management or anything, I can understand why someone would want to just take the death penalty out and get out of there, brought it full circle. Boom. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cause the four, four days is enough to make you never, you just never want to go back beyond that. I mean, that was, uh, it was so, so dumb. That's why we are reformed. We are working towards it. <laughs> um, just to, in conclusion, you know, to talk about this morally, the, the moral argument of all of these things or the ethics of the death penalty or what can be done. I think, I think we should once again, not try to put a blanket statement on everything. Of course, with the with the generalization of what the death penalty is, it's um, it could seem just outright negative and it's very easy to oppose to not dig a little deeper. But when you approach all the scenarios of how people get on death row, whether it's people begging for it or people uh, just being an accomplice to a crime and getting it, um, it you have to kind of, you have to pump the brakes a little bit, look back on it, step away from the screen for a moment, step away from the, your favorite news article, switch to another and just see, you know, uh, is this something we should endorse more to save more money and, uh, you know, not crowd our jails? Or should we realize that the time time could be viewed as punishment and that these people may just be looking for an escape out of their punishment now that they are already in prison? I mean, these are criminals. We are talking about people that are criminals. And there are people that say that they will, you know, on death row, some last words from death row. You can find them online, uh, people's last last words. And some people say, you know, if they'd let me out right now, I'd kill again. Uh, and it's a good thing they're killing me and all this other stuff. And so it's very, you know, it's it, it's it's a tricky topic to navigate. Uh, and um, that's why it's difficult to put yourself on the the right or wrong of it and that's why it's so volatile when it becomes a political argument and um it, it just you know same with like abortion and stuff a lot of people compare that uh which i won't even begin to get into today um everybody thank you for flying solo with me today thank you for listening to the changing podcast in the morning fresh in the morning eight fifteen a.m i'm gonna go Hit the gym now. I hope you guys are on the way to work, enjoying your commute. And uh, find us, guys. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Spotify, Spotify, uh, Spotify. Yeah. And uh, also, please be sure to visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash the changing man. Also, submit any voice messages and subscribe to the show on Anchor, anchor.fm slash the changing man. Go listen there and also send in any voicemails through the app on the Apple uh, iTunes store. Um, you can also contribute to the show via, via our anchor, but you definitely get more through the Patreon and it's cheaper. So I would definitely go look at that. Guys, thank you so much for listening and tolerating the uh, the ranting. Go check out I Am a Killer on Netflix. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. Um, I also highly recommend Tension Tamer Tea by celestial this is not an ad uh it's just very good and i've been drinking it on the stream all morning um be sure to follow my instagram at at embry f-o-e-m-b-r-e-y-f-o um to get 
clued in to check the story and see when I'll go and host live shows. I put all the updates for the shows on there. Um, you can also check out some of the other work I'm doing with video editing and uh, send me a direct message if you guys have any questions or messages, want to be on the show, etc. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a great morning, afternoon, and evening. <laughs>